Welcome to the MHI Cast, the show where we talk to the industry's best minds to uncover their supply chain stories. We explore real-world case studies and get unique perspectives on key trends and emerging technologies from every corner of the material handling, logistics, and supply chain space. Hello and welcome to MHI Cast. Thanks for being with us. The labor shortage has been impacting the material handling industry for years now, and it appears that even more industries are starting to feel the impact. Uh, as the pool of potential employees continues to shrink, how can you fulfill what seems to be an ever-increasing demand amidst an explosion of e-commerce? For many, automation is the solution. And with numerous examples displaying the ROI of this technology, more and more companies are transitioning, and that's not a surprise. So today, we'll be discussing automation and the effect it's having on the supply chain workforce. And joining us are three MHI members who specialize in automated solutions. Gentlemen, thanks for being with us. Welcome. And perhaps we could start with uh, introductions, please. Uh, Gary, if we could start with you. My name is uh, Gary Frank. I'm Vice President of Automated Systems for Westphalia Technologies, uh, manufacturers and suppliers of uh, automated storage retrieval systems, otherwise known as ASRS. Uh, I am the chairman of the ASRS product section of MHI, and um, my responsibilities in business are uh, is that I am the lead for selling, designing uh, automated storage retrieval systems for Westphalia and take those projects through final contract negotiations and then turn it over to our operations group for implementation. Okay, my name is Mark Longacre and I'm the Applications Engineering Manager at JBT Corporation. And we're a leading supplier of AGVs used in manufacturing and warehouse. My group's responsible for the pre-sale system design, including you know the vehicles, uh, what type of vehicle, how many vehicles, and the total system cost. And I've been working with AGVs for over 20 years, and I'm the current uh, mobile automation group chairman at MHI. Uh, my name is John Schechter. I'm with AutoStore. Um, I work as a business development manager, helping uh, educate the market and potential end customers about what AutoStore is and how it might be used in order fulfillment operations. Um, we are you know, primarily working in e-commerce, e-grocery and uh, industrials, healthcare, so kind of across the board, anywhere where there's order fulfillment activity happening. Um, my specific uh, background, you know, I've been working with mobile robots my entire career, so about 15 years with various kinds of AMRs and uh, piece picking, and now with auto stores. So only know warehouses full of mobile robotics. Excellent. Thank you all. Um... Let's jump right in. We've been in a steady period of growth in the industry, partially due to e-commerce. And more recently, there's been an exponential surge in demand. And, and this no doubt has led to an already tight labor market shrinking even more. Mark, we'll go to you for this first question. Do you think that this has led to more companies looking for automated solutions? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we're, we're going to continue to see this growth. Uh, in prior years, I, I think... We saw automation in, in really the large, like multinational corporations, and they were the primary ones looking at automation. And uh, it, it was almost even looked at as like a, a luxury after you had your other equipment and you would look at, you know, moving materials kind of as a secondary area to automate. 
Um, and I think that's totally changed now. Automation's looked at as an absolute necessity in the material handling area. Gary, what do you think? Things have, uh, of course, with COVID have changed uh, to, to a, a high degree, uh, especially with the uh, labor shortage. Over time, um, you know, almost anybody could utilize ASRS, automated storage retrieval, but um, it would be the more labor intensive a given process of the supply chain occurred, like uh, order picking or having to do value added to the product before you shipped it, that all added a labor element uh, to the equation and, of course, made justification all the more uh, uh, easier for some companies. But with the labor shortage today, that expands across the board. No matter what the companies are, they're all experiencing uh, the same problem of not being able to get the right people. And uh, that's been a real challenge. And so automation has become to the forefront for consideration for small, medium, and large companies uh, in this day and time. Thanks, Gary. John, anything you'd like to add here? Yeah, I would add, you know, similar to what Mark and Gary were saying, I think it's become a mandate for companies to automate just because the kinds of growth they're trying to achieve and the competition for labor, especially in logistics clusters, places like Memphis, Indianapolis, Southern California, where there are so many uh, great companies opening their distribution centers and fulfillment centers because it makes sense from a network strategy standpoint that they're now competing for the same labor pool even some large 3PLs are competing with themselves with multiple facilities. So I think now more than ever, um, there's a need for more uh, productivity so that the workforce that you have can do get a lot more done. Uh, you know, for example, with you know automated storage and retrieval systems or ASRS, and, and similarly, I think for AGVs, you know, those can boost productivity of an overall site 10 to 20%. And so that allows you to either grow 10 to 20%, or reduce your hiring needs by, by that amount uh, as you build a new facility. Now, obviously, not all tasks can be automated. Uh, what jobs do you see as being the best position to benefit from automated solutions? John, we'll go back to you first. Yeah, I think as as fulfillment has moved down to the piece level, you know, where we're really sending individual items to customers, picking and replenishment, you know, really grew in labor content, labor complexity. So we're breaking down a case or a pallet and reaching inside the box. And that, that it sort of ballooned or exploded the amount of um, people it required to, to break down those items. And so those areas, you know, can be uh, in combination, maybe 40 to 60% of an operation doing the sort of inside the storage area activities. And, and those are, there are a lot of great solutions on the market to help reduce those um, the, the labor content there. Um, of course, something like auto store goods to person, but also there are mobile robots that can carry the orders. There are conveyance solutions that help decrease walking. And so all those things uh, really impact those biggest labor pools. I, I think in addition, you know, there's some uh, robotic handling uh, applications like parcel induction or, uh, you know, individual piece picking that, that can work for certain industries and certain applications, but those at this point are not as broad uh, of a use case as something like, say, a goods to person that can work anytime you've got items that can fit either in a pallet or a tote format. What would you add to that, Mark? 
you know, we look first at the jobs where there's really routine, uh, repetitive, like predictable movements. And, and, and those are the ones we attack, uh, you know, first to, to automate. Um, we also look, try to look for, for tasks where we don't think there's any real value added to the process or, or to the product. Um, again, those are, those are ones we want to attack. And, and a lot of material movements re- really don't, don't add value to the product. Um, you know, they're just getting it from one place to another. So yeah, that's our focus. And Gary, what jobs do you think will benefit most from automated solutions? Well, we do a lot of work in food and beverage. And of course, uh, that seems to be the industry uh, historically that has not been impacted by downturns uh, in the economy. Um, And we also do a lot with 3PLs and especially cold storage. And in that environment, uh, whenever you have uh, operations where the environment is uh, not as conducive to working as it is in an ambient environment, for example, uh, it even increases the challenge uh, from a, uh, for the labor pool uh, to get people to, be, uh, to want to work and uh, 20 below zero in lieu of working in an ambient uh, 70 degree temperature. So there's challenges for different industries depending on what they're doing. And we have found, especially in the 3PL, when you're competing for, as was mentioned uh, previously, competing in a, a major labor market, and then you happen to have an environment that isn't as conducive as others, uh, you either have to pay premium wages, which typically has to occur, uh, compared to the ambient, and then that's all the more reason to uh, consider automation to minimize uh, the impact for handling the various picking demands that occur, uh, as well as, uh, as I mentioned, value added that has to uh, possibly happen. You try to do as much as you can to minimize the uh, labor content uh, in a given process. And so we try to address that in that arena as best we can. Okay, so along the same lines, but slightly different point of view for this question, uh, what part of a supply chain, for example, logistics, sortation, or uh, the last mile or picking, uh, which of these is the best position to benefit from automation, easing the labor shortage? Gary, back to you first. Well, the online uh, ability, uh, and that is just a sword in the uh, pandemic. Otherwise, people couldn't get out, and so, but they could uh, pick, uh, you know, or they could uh, order online. Has really uh, placed a tremendous uh, demand on various companies to be able to uh, fill this demand, and that again just points to automation. That uh, if they were uh, did not have the automation in place, they are uh, putting it in place and trying to get it in place as quickly as possible uh, to support uh, the e-commerce element of their business. Companies that did not have e-commerce maybe being at the forefront, uh, that has changed. And so now many are rushing to get that taken care of. Uh, As was mentioned, some of the larger companies probably were uh, more in a position to address this, but this is happening now across the board. And so um, it's, it's imperative that uh, they take and consider 
automation to address this demand because um, it isn't going away anytime soon and probably isn't going away at all. Absolutely hard to argue with that. John, what do you think? I think that um, I'd agree with Gary that the, you know, companies need to meet consumers where they are. And at this point, their expectations are, I can order something directly from my phone. I can do uh, a traditional retail channel. I can still call in or get some type of high touch service. And the delivery method by which I want those items might vary as well. So that might be shipping to me directly in a brown box. That might be picking it up at the store. It might be doing a mixture of all the different delivery methods. And so that complexity comes with a lot of new challenges for supply chain leaders that they need to be able to deliver on. And so I think COVID and the e-grocery boom was certainly one um, uh, pretty apparent example of that. But I think now... All, that expectation is being applied to all industries. So I, I see the same thing, for example, in the healthcare industry, where a nursing station just wants to order and refill the supplies they use for the last day, and they want a pretty, you know, uh, lean su- set of supplies in their station. So you see that if you add that up across a whole supply chain or a hospital network, that's a pretty complex order fulfillment process that somebody like Medline needs to deliver on, or or other supply chains. So I think that expectation is now being applied broadly to all segments. And so nobody's immune or can, you know, kind of stick with the traditional uh, fulfillment methods. And, and therefore, they need uh, some help uh, to, to meet that because they can't just add labor to break down those items and deliver in more frequent, smaller quantities. Um, and so that's the new experience of so the new true omni-channel or multi-channel uh, fulfillment that everybody has to be able to deliver on. And Mark, what, what part of supply chain do you think will, will be helped most by easing the demand for labor? Yeah, we, we really focus uh, our automation on full and partial pallet movements, and uh, we try to stay very flexible. So, you know, that could be, uh, you know, put away uh, of those pallets in, in racking and, and, you know, very flexible for a lot of different types of racking. Could be select rack, double deep, uh, drive-in rack, gravity flow, pushback, or even pallet shuttles. And, and then we do retrieval of those pallets out of the racking and uh, we can support, you know, delivery to, you know, goods to, to picking areas, you know, and removal from goods to picking area. We can deliver, you know, empty pallet stacks and, and even do automatic trailer loading and, and unloading uh, also. So, you know, we can focus on a lot of different areas of, of automation. Where do you think the biggest growth opportunity is for automation or to put it another way, what tasks do you think will grow uh, to use the most automation in the next, say, 5, 10, 20 years? I think uh, in, in warehousing and, and 3PL, I know some of these areas have, have been mentioned already, and uh, they're worth noting again, uh, you know, in the, the cold storage and, and freezer, in food and beverage, uh, you know, those I think we're going to see the highest growth rates, uh, you know, coming up. That's where it's going to be even more of a challenge. Uh, to, to get people to work in those environments. And so that's, that's where I think you'll see more and more automation. How about you, Gary? Where do you see the biggest growth opportunity? Well, you know, one of the things, if we think back a little bit on how companies a lot of times operated, you know, uh, companies will have uh, seasonal cycles. And how would they handle those seasonal cycles? They would many times ramp up labor to address that seasonal cycle. And with what's occurring in the labor market today, and of course, it's really been brought on by the pandemic, 
but uh, uh, they they are finding that they they cannot do that, and they uh, as like they could before. The labor market isn't there to support what they're doing, so they therefore have to uh, consider automation or consider whatever they can in their supply chain to minimize uh, the impact. Uh, when their growth cycles uh, accelerate, maybe in a certain time of the season, like right now, we're getting ready to fall, move into the fall and the Christmas season. And I know there's many companies that ramp up. Other companies, their seasons take off in the springtime and food and beverage when we hit the summertime. And so um, automation is uh, going to play a major part in helping alleviate the challenges that they face. Uh, human resources has just had a tremendous burden put on them to fill the labor demands that their warehousing uh, is requiring. And so uh, anything that can be done in this regard is uh, to help and minimize is uh, a tremendous thing that could happen. John, where do you expect to see more automation in the next few years? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I touched on this briefly. I do think, you know, picking, packing, sorting is where the major um, challenge areas in most facilities are right now. I think that using space better is a really key thing. You know, there's a major shortage of industrial real estate right now. And so that's a slightly different take on a labor savings. But I think people are uh, hard pressed to find a lot of warehousing space. And so if they can use existing assets better, both human resources and space resources that's a major benefit uh, over the next five to 10 years. You know, there used to be the sense in the U.S. that you could build out and not worry about going up with either ASRS or mezzanine solutions to use that airspace above. And I think that shifted as real estate prices have grown and we have this sort of tremendous demand for more um, more industrial space, especially closer to customers in, uh, you know, in urban centers and in nearby urban centers. Very good point, John. Hadn't thought about the real estate aspect, and that's a perfect segue to this next question. Which industry do you think will see the biggest growth in automation in the next several years? Uh, here are a few examples. Grocery, uh, general retail, e-commerce, manufacturing. What are your thoughts? Certainly in grocery, we've touched on already e-grocery being a tremendous trial period during COVID that a lot of consumers wouldn't have tried e-grocery, and now they tried it, and many of them will stick with it. Um, and so every grocer is thinking about their e-grocery strategy and how they're going to fulfill those orders. Um, you can only do it from your store for so long before you impact the consumer experience. And then there's a progression to an automated facility with options in between. So everyone's exploring there. Certainly in general retail, everyone's rethinking their existing real estate assets. How are they going to use the stores to their advantage? How do they support all the channels that I mentioned before that they could be delivering to, receiving returns via, doing add-on services, um, uh, you know, certainly in apparel and with, or footwear, a place with high returns. It's great to have stores to augment the digital consumer experience. Of course, e-commerce is not going anywhere. It continues to grow at tremendous rates and, and also in the manufacturing space. So, you know, I think no industry is immune from, uh, you know, at least experimenting or, or or uh, evaluating automation. So in manufacturing, that's how do you get just in sequence deliveries of materials for production? I think a lot of the automakers are rethinking how they make vehicles and offering more customization. And uh, even, you know, Ford recently has shifted more of their demand to uh, be 
ordered custom rather than be uh, ordered and, and purchased from a dealership. And so that requires some really complex supply chain behind the scenes to deliver the certain color mirrors and different option packages right at the moment in the in the supply chain line side. So I, I think all industries are rethinking what this, uh, you know, what the new consumer demand is and what automation tools might help deliver on that. Mark, over to you. Which industry do you think will see the most automation adoption? I think it's manufacturing. I mean, I think manufacturing really has always embraced automation, but I think you just see it at a new level right now. And, uh, you know, manufacturing has automated kind of the main process areas, and now they're looking deeper and deeper at, at how they can automate you know, these sub-processes and, you know, of course, getting materials from one process to another. And, and so I think you're going to see it really continue in manufacturing and grow quite a bit there. And Gary, would love your comments here as well. I think, for, you know, there's all sorts of industries that are, are going to be opening up, as was mentioned, uh, you know, uh, uh, as far as manufacturing, they're going to be pushed to... Uh, improve how they do things, being responsive for just-in-time. Just-in-time term has been around for years, but the reality of it with e-commerce and the ability for people uh, to order specific things, um, it's so much different than it was before. Because even though when you ordered before, uh, you know, it was through a dealer and the dealer placed it on the company, the manufacturer, and, uh, and they still were putting in demand on their other suppliers. So it's kind of across the board uh, as far as being able to respond quickly uh, to a given situation. And, uh, but we have, as uh, ourselves have primarily been in food and beverage and we do not see that going away and that their demands are just uh, increasing. I just uh, personally, I just ordered something in the uh, the other day in the morning, and it was delivered to me in the afternoon. Uh, and you know, it was amazing that that came that quickly uh, through Amazon. And so, uh, this type of thing is going to keep on uh, as far as the demand for quick response. The customers are de- are demanding that, and they're getting used to it. And so. Um, the industry that we support, we have to address that as best we can so um, they can be responsive to it in their uh, endeavors to um, grow their business. As we've already discussed, uh, automation can alleviate some of the impacts of the labor shortage, but it also requires different skill sets. So what should operators or organizations be looking for when recruiting? Gary, if we could start with you, please. Considering automation, basically what it does for a company, especially if the company uh, has not considered automation that much in the past, is that they have to uh, go in with a whole new mindset because this automated equipment has to be supported. And so the type of people that you require uh, to have on site for supporting that equipment, because you that equipment's got to has to run and it does run as, as t- tremendous uptimes that this equipment r- operates at. But it's like anything else that has to be maintained. Um, there's a lot of uh, things placed on suppliers of equipment like um, um, maintenance contracts and things like this, supplying people 
to help companies that are not familiar or uh, used to uh, having a labor pool of people that is totally different than what they've had to um, uh, have in their place before because they have uh, automated so much. So this has put a whole new thing as far as uh, demand on our customers, as far as how to staff for supporting the automation. I have one customer as an example that that was their biggest concern with the automation was the staffing for the uh, the maintenance support on the system. Uh, it wasn't, uh, you know, that this was a new type of technology and how we're going to get to use it and all that. It was uh, the maintenance support. So it is a very important element. They're a higher educated type of person. What I mean by that is that they usually have to have some knowledge in electronics, uh, software, and support uh, for uh, this type of equipment. And so uh, it's a, a whole new realm. It also puts a demand on the uh, HR because they now have to assist in uh, going out and finding people that uh, they previously had not had to go out and do. Uh, sometimes this is not as much of a challenge for the um, automotive industry because they do have a lot of automated equipment but that still puts a challenge on them because they have to continue that when they bring in AMRs or ASRS or whatever into the equation. They've got to be able to support it. If I could jump into on, on top of that comment and what Gary was saying, that I think there's a really great opportunity to you know reskill or upskill the maintenance technicians and the you know service personnel in a lot of these facilities. I, I think they can be trained to handle this stuff, of course. And in addition to that, though, I think, you know, there is a competitive offering to your employees if in an automated facility. I think it's just a more desirable place to work because a lot of the mundane, boring parts are being handled by machines. Now the other parts are kind of exciting because you're working alongside robotics or automation systems that are doing a lot of the heavy lifting. And so you're able to attract and retain a, a different kind of workforce because you've invested in tools for them and in a way that's very modern. And so if you think about especially the new warehouse workforce that's in there, you know, coming out of high school or coming out of college in their 20s or even their 30s, and they're thinking about this as a career, it's a much better environment to be in a in an ergonomic workspace, working alongside, uh, and, you know, machinery rather than being tasked to pull or carry heavy loads all day that is, you know, going to wear you out in a, in a different kind of way. So I think that's the other big opportunity I see from a you know, in these competitive labor situations, if you have a choice as a as an employee of going to a manual facility or automated facility, I think most of them would choose more automated facilities because of the benefits I mentioned before. So I, I see a lot of people choosing it for that reason. Uh, I'll give you one other anecdote, which is, you know, where AutoStore is from is in Norway. And and in northern Europe, you know, they're a little bit short of, of labor. They're further ahead of this labor shortage than maybe we're experiencing here in the U.S. And they feel like it's an obligation to automate because of, you know, they want to, one, they have to pay people more to do that work. But when people come to work, they have expectations that they're going to be used in a, in a value added way and, and to be doing human or cognitive tasks and not machine tasks that are being tasked to a person. And so I, I think that's part of what we, what we see in the U.S. market now is that 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 mandate or, or obligation coming to um, to the logistics clusters and other places here. But I think it's just a better way to treat your employees and you'll get better labor because of that. 
I'd like to add one more uh, to what he was just saying, and that is that um, also along with this, uh, there's been a, a, a lot of a challenge of workman's comp issues on companies because of um, the manual element of doing their, uh, the process. And so with the automation, that has dramatically uh, reduced uh workman's comp issues and that workman's comp can get to be a very expensive element of a, a business operation. And so uh, it goes along with supporting that type of element of having automation that, uh, that it's a kind of a rub off of uh, with that, with the uh, different labor pool, you will not be experiencing the uh, workman's comp issues that you have been in the past. All great points here. Thanks for sharing. Mark, over to you. Uh, what what skills should recruiters be looking for when finding employees to work with automation? Yeah, I think the jobs we're we're going to see are are you know cr- job creation that we'll see is is really going to require strong technical skills. People who are are problem solvers who focus on root causes and and process improvement. You know, there's the old saying that automation, you know, if you're eliminating some manual labor uh, positions, you, you can't, uh, you know, substitute that for EEs and MEs and programmers to, to keep things running. So I think we as suppliers ha- have a real challenge, you know, to make our systems uh, very intuitive, uh, easy to diagnose uh, so, so that the new workforce can jump right in with minimal training and can interface with the equipment. And, uh, and and operate it and maintain it uh, properly. Um, you know, I'm old school, and and I think it still comes down to though, you know, you're going to need to be a hard worker and a quick learner to be successful. Gentlemen, what a valuable conversation we've been having. As we draw to a close, I want to make sure that yeah, each of you have an opportunity to add or touch on anything that you think our audience uh, would want to know about or should know about. A company. If they uh, are growing, and that's occurring with many companies, automation is taking so many different aspects uh, today compared to what it used to be. Uh, The AMR element of it has really taken off, as well as uh, things happening in the ASRS portion of the industry. And it is just uh, important that a company uh, really take a solid look at automation to see what it can do for them uh, and not shy away from it. Because um, uh, a lot of the past, you know, years ago, uh, if it, one thing against automation was per- people were concerned about the reliability of automation. And automation today is extremely reliable. And when you have that uh, concern uh, out of the equation, you should really be looking at having this uh, involved in uh, very critical type operations and uh, and not shy away from it. So I think that's the main thing that, uh, that you know, and, and it isn't just the large companies. It's the intermediate and smaller companies need to be taking a look at it. And there's all forms of automation that exist today that can help the, the company depending on their size. Any last thoughts for you, Mark? There was a time when the decision of whether to automate uh, was purely a financial decision. You know, you're looking to maximize your ROI, uh, you know, have, have a great payback period or a very short payback period. And, and that was the sole focus. 
and, and what we're hearing from customers now is, is, yeah, the financial performance of the automation project is key, but it's even deeper than that, uh, more intense than that. Uh, automation is now just becoming essential for survival in the future. Um, and, and if you don't automate, if you don't uh, reduce your dependence on labor, you're not going to be around in the future. And uh, that's what we hear customers saying. And last, certainly not least, John, any parting thoughts for us? Yeah, I'll just, uh, to follow what Mark said, I think that it, it isn't uh, a pure financial, you know, just look at labor rates and the ROI of automation replacing those labor rates. I think it's, it's much more than that. Ultimately, you're trying to find the right sort of harmony or balance between the human capital and potential machinery that you can use to get the, the material moved. Um, and so, you know, just for companies to think about their long-term competitiveness and that their peers are probably exploring the stuff, so they, they need to as well. And that there's a lot of new options. I think like Gary was talking about, if they haven't looked at automation recently, they're, they're really, they have improved a lot with software-based controls and the reliability is much, much greater than it used to be. And, you know, get out there and see this stuff. You know, buildings where you are probably have it. So just, you know, talk to your neighbors and talk to the companies that provide this stuff and you can go see it in real life. Well, I tell you, that's an excellent way to wrap this up. Gentlemen, thank you so much for sharing and for joining me today. And thank you for listening to this episode of MHI Cast featuring Gary Frank, Mark Longacre, and John Schechter. Make plans to find your next automated solution at Modex. It happens next March in Atlanta. Just visit modexshow.com to learn more. That's modexshow.com. Here at MHI, we never stop exploring new opportunities to help you take your manufacturing and supply chain operations to that next level of success. So thank you for making us a part of your professional development journey.